All right, everybody, we're ready to get started. <clears throat> 12.30. That means it is time to get cracking. That's what it means. We, um, we're going to meet next week, and then December 3rd, we're not going to meet. They have an event that they're using the whole restaurant for. December 3rd, don't show up here. December 3rd, okay? Then after that, two weeks, we'll be here, and then Christmas Eve, we're not meeting. New Year's Day, we're not meeting, all right? So, or New Year's Eve, whichever one it is. So those, the last two weeks in December, we will not meet. And the first week, we will not meet, all right? So those two weeks, and I have, would have it on my calendar. I could tell you the exact dates, but my calendar is filming right now via my phone. So uh, December 3rd, and then Christmas and New Year's. Those are the weeks we're off. All right, that's going to take us almost to the end of Judges. We're so close. If we could have met December 3rd, we would have finished the book by the end of the year. But we will probably bleed over a little bit into the new year before we're able to finish the book, unless we go warp speed the next few weeks. So we'll figure it out. But just keep that in mind. We're on the last cycle of Judges. We're in the Samson saga, the longest saga, the saga that, that uh, parallels in many ways, Israel's life as a whole. Samson, whose name is, is a kind of a pagan name. It means a little son after the sun god, Shemesh. And he is this a figure who's been you know, called before his birth, basically, to be set apart for service to God. And yet, we've seen in his life, everything he does is the opposite of set apart. He, lives, he goes to live in and among the Philistines. He touches things that Nazarites aren't supposed to touch. He eats and drinks things that Nazarites aren't supposed to drink. He's basically a failure over and over and over again and a rebellious failure and a self-centered failure. And all of his deliverance so far has just been personal vendetta. Last week was wedding day massacre. He, uh, he made a bet. He, they, he lost the bet through some trickery on the part of the Philistines that they could not figure out his riddle. So he had to pay the bet. So he went and murdered 30 people to pay his debt. Um, we also see in Samson that he is the means by which God is judging the Philistines. But he is also there. That doesn't mean that he's a pillar of virtue. Just like when the Babylonians are later going to be used by God to judge Israel, it doesn't mean that God likes or approves of the Babylonians. So God, throughout the Old Testament, uses evil people to judge other evil people. And nobody escapes His judgment in the end. And this is part of what Israel sees in the Samson saga. So we have to get away from seeing Him as a folk hero or a superhero or any of these things if we want to be faithful to what the biblical account gives us. Because He's neither of those things. Rather, He's an embodiment of Israel in microcosm. Uh, someone with all the giftings, all the potential, all the blessings, even the presence of God's Spirit among him, and yet he flaunts that, squanders it, and continues to rebel. And this chapter is no different. So we're in chapter 15, and this is after his, uh, he, he left his wedding in a huff to go murder people and then go back home. So when you leave a wedding and you leave the bride and you leave the, the in-law's family, that's kind of the end. I mean, there's, that's, that's the equivalent of a divorce, at least in their eyes. You know, you leave angrily. You call your wife a heifer. We did, literally. Called her a female cow. Then you go off. You murder 30 of her countrymen. And then you go back to your country. Marriage over. That's pretty safe to say, that behavior. <clears throat> so, we pick up in verse 15, or chapter 15. 
Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. This is the ancient Near East equivalent of a box of chocolates. All right, he takes a young goat, he's going to go back, he's going to sweet talk her, his temper's cooled down, and he's going to come back in and, and patch things up with the Mrs. Because they were married, they got married, but then he abandoned her and left and murdered people. So he's going to go fix it with a goat. Ladies, if your man shows up with a goat, it means he's sorry and he wants you to take him back, so take him back. Uh, <clears throat> So he showed up with a young girl, went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's inner room. But her father would not let him go. Dad stood in the way. It's interesting that dad could stop Samson. You know, a thousand Philistines aren't going to be able to do it, but dad can do it. Dads of daughters are not to be trifled with. So his dad stopped him and says, I was so sure you thoroughly hated her that I gave her to your friend, the best man who was with Samson, who wasn't really Samson's friend. He was just one of the Philistines. <clears throat> then dad tries to patch it up. I gave her to your friend, but isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. So take her younger sister. You can't have her. I've already married her off. Uh, <clears throat> but here's her younger, prettier sister. Verse 3, Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines, which implies that last time he didn't. I will really harm them. And that's a weak translation, as I'll bring disaster on them. Or I'm going to really mm them up. <laughs> it's colloquially what he'd say. I'm, I am furious. So, notice what's led up to this. Samson left his wife to go kill people, and then leave, and then go home. Sometime later, months, weeks, don't know how long, he comes back. Uh, honey, I brought you a little goat. Um, and then expects everything to be great. And his dad's like, well, no, you left and abandoned her, so I married her to this other guy who was with you at the wedding, the one who didn't leave and go murder people. Um, but if you still want to marry her, you can marry her younger sister. So Samson, that's what infuriates him. He didn't get his wife that he left before. It's a very self-centered thought. It's a very uh, petulant behavior. So his response is, now I'm going to take revenge on the Philistines. Revenge for what? He abandoned his wife. They haven't done anything, at least in, this, in, in Samson's realm. Now they have oppressed Israel for years. But in terms of Samson's, it's like his, his anger is thoroughly self-centered and based on personal vendetta and wounded pride. And that's what Israel, uh, that's what the Philistines now are going to suffer because of that. So, he says, I'm going to bring ruin on them. Verse 4, so he went out, he caught 300 foxes or jackals. That word is the same animal, and it's, you could argue it's likelier that it's jackals because jackals are pack animals, and it'd be easier to catch 300. Foxes are solitary and hard to catch. So anyway, or it's a miraculous thing. Interestingly, in Greek, there's a, a colloquial term for foxes, uh, I think Lampurus, torch tail. And some scholars have said that it comes from this episode. But regardless, he catches 300 of these animals and ties them tail to tail in pairs. So tie their tails together in pairs. And then he fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. 
He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and the olive groves. So now, this is not a, this is not a, a prankster's uh, little mischief. Okay, this is, this is the time of the wheat harvest. Verse 1 has already said this. Philistia is a wheat agrarian society. Their culture is based entirely on their harvest in their fields of wheat. Their god, Dagon, whose temple Samson's going to die in, is the god of grain. This is their national uh, farming day. Or time, not day, but like period. This is where they're going to eat. This is where their food comes from. So they have to uh, survive on what they harvest. That's what Samson goes, takes 300 animals, so 150 pairs of these animals, ties them together because they're going to try to pull it. If he just tied a torch to its tail, each one's tail and let it loose, they would all just take off and run away. But if he ties them together, they're going to struggle and fight and back and forth and pull and tug, and that's going to give the torch time to burn everywhere. It's maximum damage to this uh, entire crop, all the standing grain, all the sheaves. The, the harvest has already been in, in progress, so they cut the wheat down, they bundle it up, they stand it in the field, and then they come along and pick it up later and take it. This is, this is basically he destroys their food supply. It's a major, it's, it's so far out of, um, what's the word, um, re the retribution. It doesn't match. The punishment doesn't match the crime. They hit, uh, one man chose to marry his daughter off to somebody else after his daughter was abandoned, like most fathers-in-law would do. So Samson now commits massive destruction of a food source of an entire people. It's just totally out of scale. It's not eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth is the punishment should fit the crime. This one is the punishment far exceeds the crime. And that's the, the, theory of, the theme of this chapter is it's going to continue to escalate. The crimes are going to be met with revenge, which is going to be met with counter-revenge, which is going to be met on and on and on. It's exactly what the law of Talionis, the eye for eye, tooth for tooth, was given to stop. It was given to stop escalation of crimes of retribution. But Samson, he didn't care. So they burned up the stocks, the standing grain together, vineyards, olive oils, uh, or olive groves. And this didn't happen immediately, by the way. This isn't like, uh, I'm going to go catch 300 foxes. and, and then No, this is a long campaign. Catching an animal, tying it to another animal, setting a torch. There were no lighters, Zippo lighters or matches back then. Making torches, making fire, setting off. This is a long, premeditated, planned out endeavor that he does. So it's not like an in-the-moment thing as it reads in the text. So when the Philistines asked, who did this? They were told Samson, the Timnon's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his friend. So the Philistines clearly know who did it. It's easy to find out that it was Samson, and they find out even why. Now we're going to see the Philistines' character. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. So they, you brought this upon us, so they destroyed her. Ironically, last chapter, when they got her to betray Samson, the Philistines, they said, hey, tell, get, us, get him to tell us the riddle. What was the threat that they would do? Get him to tell us the riddle, or we will burn you and your family to death. And now they've done it, even after she helped them. So this shows, again, there are no good guys in this story. This is like one of those movies about mob violence, where one, you know, or gang war, 
where people are attacking other people. And, and the characters in this, there's nobody that we've seen that has any redeeming qualities so far. And that's characteristic of the book of Judges as a whole because we are in the darkest period in Israel's history. The period where everyone does what's right in their own eyes. That's what Samson epitomizes as he leads Israel. He, they get the leader they deserve, all right. So the Philistines went up, burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, now Samson says, since you've acted like this, I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. There's the vengeance again. Again, it's all about Samson. He sees the death of his father-in-law and his wife. Now that's an attack on him, not an attack on them. Do you see his priorities are entirely self-centered and self-focused and about his pride and his um, sense for retribution. So verse 8, he attacked them, NIV says viciously, Hebrew, it's an idiom, hip upon thigh. It's a wrestling terminology, but but it means to just thoroughly overpower. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. So they slaughtered, they burned to death a man and his daughter. Now, in response, it's ratcheted up again. He slaughters many of them. So this, this started out, this whole thing started out as, as a wedding that went astray. And Samson left. And his pride was wounded when he came back to try to patch things up with the little goat and take his wife back. And she had been given to another man. So out of lover's jealousy, it's gone from that to this near genocidal a series of events that have taken place, destroying entire food crops, burning an innocent person's family, then retribution for that, destroying, killing more people. It just continues to escalate. The Philistines went up, so, uh, sorry. <clears throat> Samson said, since you've acted like this, I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously, slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed at a cave in the rock of Etam. So Samson doesn't go back to his home because maybe to kind of stop this cycle of vengeance, take a break, I'm going to go out away from everybody and just let things cool off. But the Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The men of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? So the Philistines now, they're like, no, this thing's still going on. We're calling out the troops. So now they go and they muster the troops and they go to attack Judah. Samson's not from the tribe of Judah. He's a Danite. He's from Timnah right on the border of Judah. But the Philistines, to the Philistines, they don't care. It's all the same. They're all Hebrews. They're all Israelites. We're just, they attacked us, we attacked them. So now Samson's actions have put in danger the tribe of Judah. That's Othniel's tribe. That's the, that started this whole book of Judges off. That's the tribe that should go out and fight the Philistines and overcome the Philistines and take the land that God has given them back in Joshua's time. But they don't do that. Look at Judah's reaction. We've come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. We're going to do to him what he did to us. Verse 11, then 3,000 men from Judah, or three elef, three clan, three regiments of Judah, how, if you want to, we've talked about that before in here, but the word thousand can also mean regiment. Three, uh, men, three regiment of men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom, and they said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? The, Judah, the tribe of Judah that's supposed to lead Israel, they're supposed to be the embodiment of messianic hopes for Israel. They're supposed to be the ones going out into battle at the front of the army. What do they say? Hey, don't you know the Philistines are our rulers? 
That's how far we've come in the book of Judges from Othniel, the first judge who went out from the tribe of Judah and led Israel victoriously and was the judge par excellence. Like everything a judge should be in the the book of Judges was Othniel. And now we're at Samson, who's like the anti-Othniel. And the tribe of Judah even has just completely disintegrated into not even just accepting the Philistine rule over them, but accepting the Philistines' rule over them and being willing to give their own judge, the own person who even remotely has a shot at leading Israel against the Philistines, to turn him over to them as well. They've completely paganized. They've completely apostatized. The whole people structure that the book of Joshua put in place, the judges started out with on such a high note, has disintegrated into chaos and and backbiting and scheming and apathy and just saying, well, this is just how it is. So let's just put our heads down and get through it. That's what has become of God's people. This is the darkest time in Israel's history. So they say, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What have you done to us? Samson answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. What they just said to the Philistines just said earlier, we want to do to him what he did to us. Samson is now echoing their Philistine ethic. I just did to them what they did to me. No, you didn't, Samson. They didn't do anything to you that merited burning all of their food and massacring these people. You did way more than they did to you. But in Samson's eyes, it's just like Lamech way back in the uh, Genesis. Those of you who are here for Genesis, a guy named Lamech back in Genesis 4. He said, hey, listen up, ladies. He's talking to his two wives. He was the first polygamist. He said, listen, ladies, this young guy, he stepped up to me and insulted me. I killed him. That's basically what he's. Go read Genesis 4.23 and you can get it. But he basically, Lamech brags about killing someone who merely insulted or, or attacked him. And he does it in a boastful way. Now Samson is echoing that sentimentality, that character of Lamech. And he's really going to do it at the end of the chapter. So... <clears throat> He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. Verse 12, they said to him, the Judahites, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. So Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they said, we'll only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. So now the Philistines are going to, he's going to be turned over. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, rushed upon him. Again, like it did last chapter. The ropes in his arms became like charred flax. That's like if you ever put a hair or something in a flame, it just pops. Like it just disintegrates. That's what the ropes did. And the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men or an elef of men. There's a couple of things in this that are just, the reader is supposed to be confused. It's like, wait a minute, okay, the Spirit of God, once again, just like last chapter, the Spirit of God came on Samson, and what did he do? He went and murdered, murdered 30 people and took their clothes. Now the Spirit of God comes on Samson. What does he do? He touches a corpse. He breaks his Nazarite vow again. He picks up a, a carcass, a jawbone of a dead animal. And it says a fresh jawbone. This is not like dried and, and been out there for a while. This is a fresh, rotting jawbone of an animal picks it up and uses it because it's a good weapon because it's expedient forget his Nazarite vow forget his set apartness forget the fact that he actually does deserve to be handed over to the Philistines because he's murdered so many of them 
So he again breaks his Nazarite vow, picks up the jawbone, and it kills a thousand people. Then Samson says, and he, this is a little poem, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made heaps upon heaps. NIV says I've made donkeys of them. They try to bring out the poetry of it, but they have to read, they have to do some fiddling with the Hebrew to make it say that. The Hebrew literally says I've created heaps upon heaps. And it's talking about the, the heaps of dead bodies. Thousand people, or an elephant, and a whole regiment of people killed. With a donkey's jawbone, I've made heaps upon heaps. With a donkey's jawbone, I killed a thousand men. This is his battle song. This is his battle song. He's the star of this show. He's the one bragging about his victories, again, like Lamech in Genesis 4. He is the one exalting himself and saying, I did this. And, and this is a weird little poem in English because there's a wordplay in it. The word for donkey is hamor, and the word for heap or pile of bodies is hamar. So it's a pun he's making. So with this hamor, I've made hamars. With this hamor, I killed a thousand men. Celebrating his. But again, in English, it, it doesn't flow as smoothly. But that's what's going on. He commemorates it with this boastful song. And when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramat Lehi, Jawbone Hill. Lehi means jawbone. Uh, and so it was named Jawbone Hill or Jawbone Heights because that's where he killed people with a jawbone. Again, there's no deliverance here from Israel. Israel turned him over and went back to being ruled by the Philistines. He kills the thousand Philistines, and that's it. There's, unlike the other judges earlier in the book, there's no national deliverance. There's no mustering of the armies. The earlier judges, when the Spirit of God comes on them, they would then call up the tribes and they would go out to battle and lead them victoriously. Samson just goes and kills the people trying to take him prisoner. Verse 18, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. Now he decides to cry out to God, by the way. After he's done all this and he's thirsty. Cries out to the Lord. He says, you've given your servant this great victory. Okay, so now he's going to give God some of the credit for it. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? The uncircumcised you were going to marry into, Samson. The uncircumcised you had no problem entering into a covenant arrangement with. You've had no problem all of a sudden, or no problem your whole life with being in and among the Philistines, but now they're the uncircumcised when you want something from God. So he cries out, I'm thirsty. Again, just like Israel. Samson is Israel in miniature. What did Israel do in the desert? Miraculous victory. Led into the wilderness. First thing they did. We don't have anything to drink. Did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Moses, we're going back to Egypt. Same thing as Samson. God, have you given me this victory? Am I going to die of thirst now? You see, Samson is Israel in so many ways. And, just like with Israel, then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, a cleft of the rock, and the water came out of it. This is just like what God did in Exodus 17. When Samson drank, his spirit returned, or his strength returned, same word, and he revived. So the spring was called in Hakore, or spring of the one who calls out. And it's still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So this is the end of the first half of Samson's life. God delivers him. God saves him undeservedly. He, he's, he has not been obedient to God, yet God has continued 
to, to show him grace he doesn't deserve and give him victories he doesn't deserve. It's just like Israel. It's been the whole history of Israel. God gives them victories they don't deserve. Why is God doing this? This is part of the questions that the reader has that the book of Judges leaves us to wrestle with. Because guess what? It's bad. It's only going to get worse. There's not going to be a happy ending to the book of Judges. In fact, this, what we're going to read in the coming chapters, makes this all seem like, you know, child's play compared to how bad it's going to get. It's the downward spiral of the book of Judges. And despite it, for some inexplicable reason, God has still did not give up on His original plan for this wayward, rebellious people led by this prideful, stubborn, self-centered, uh, sex-crazed leader who loves to lust after pagan women and their gods. That's Israel. That's, that's what Israel does throughout their history. And God doesn't abandon them. Says Samson led Israel for 20 years. Doesn't say he delivered Israel. Because remember the prophecy of his birth. God says, Samson, this guy, he's going to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines, but he will not do it completely. It won't happen until the time of King David. <clears throat> but he's beginning. God is using, and that's part of the thing that theologians wrestle with with Samson is people either want to read it and go, oh, this is horrible. This just shows how barbaric the Bible is and how backwards the Old Testament is. Or people read it and go, well, Samson's got to be the good guy, so this stuff must all be okay in God's eyes somehow. And so they try to pull pieces out and create these cartoon versions of Samson that are the hero that they can tell their little eight-year-olds in Sunday school to get them to think, yay, the Bible has superheroes. And in reality, it's neither of those. What the reality is, is God is working with a broken people in a broken world to bring about His plan despite their brokenness. And the leaders that they get are going to be the leaders that they deserve and the leaders who reflect them as a nation. And in spite of that, God's still going to continue what He's doing. Even human sinfulness won't derail His plans. But it can derail the people who are in the moment from participating in His plans. You know, Samson, yeah, he's going to be saved by God, but he's going to lose his eyes. And then he's going to lose his life. He's already lost his wife. He's going to lose again. I mean, it's, it's, he, God does not take people away from the consequences of their actions. But His plan and His promises and His long-term goals, He still has them done and they get accomplished. Not by subverting and going around sinful fallen people, but by actually using what they intended for evil, God intends for good. It's the story of Joseph. It's the story of Judas and Jesus. It's what we see in the Samson saga. So, we're out of time. We're going to pick it up next week, uh, the last sec half of Samson's life. So, this has been the first half of his life. And now, the this, this second part, chapter 16, is going to look at the last half of his life. And it's going to mirror the first in a number of ways. And then that's going to send us into this dark period. Uh, Samson's the last judge in the book of Judges, but there's still like five chapters left. So, what's going on there? Well, that's what we're going to see the events of the last chapters of Judges, and they're pretty bad. They're pretty terrible, so just be warned. But they're also part of God's people's history, and that means they're part of our history. So, we got to go. There's some leftovers if you want them. Come grab some. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.